We're beginning today a new series title reading plan this past Monday, and you started diving into this incredible word about that word hope. It's definitely one of the the top five, uh, one of the top five Christian. Jesus, the name there, but all the descriptors and action words about who we are. I want to In 1927, a United States submarine, the S-4, sank off the coast of New England during an exercise. The discovery of the disabled vessel at the bottom of the ocean. When the divers approached that submarine, they heard a tapping sound from the inside. Listen. They heard a message tapped in Morse code. And the tap in the code said, Is there any hope? Is there any hope? Open heart. And usually we address it to God. Is there any hope? This question hits from time to time, and it can linger and and pick at you, especially when before the mystery of death. Think about our world right now. Afghanistan, Haiti, Hurricane Delta variant, and I can continue just to name things out of the paper. Wave of darkness and uncertainty. We've been living in a, a pretty fear-filled and hopeless world over the last. a toll. Cases of depression have risen, escalated, and it seems like the whole atmosphere is changing. And if asked, people would say, what's lurking around that corner? Can we really find hope in a crumbling world? People outside the Christian faith can look down on hope and really not like it. (laughs) Philosopher Frederick Nietzsche said this, and uh, by the way, Pastor John said that, that this hope is the worst of evils. For it prolongs the torment of man. Hope is the worst of evils. For it prolongs the torment of man. 
<laughs> I bet that guy was fun at parties, you know. <laughs> but when you think about it, there's logic to what he is saying. Now, Friedrich was an atheist, so he believed that this world is all you get. You get one shot in this life. Injustices, the pain, the You just go into nothingness. If you believe that, then hope is a tormenting thing. Of which don't happen, and then we die. And it's a dark statement. But without God, there's truth in that. A.J. Cronin said, such a state is nothing less than hell. over the portholes of the inferno, abandon all hope that you enter here. It's a scientific fact, my friends, that hopelessness, it does shorten life. For a person, hope uh, feels cornered and trapped and loses the will to live. So where do we begin to counterattack hopelessness? Apostle Paul writes. It's in the last chapter of one of his letters, and it was written to the Romans. Bible reading plan on the first day. Let's look at this together. Romans 15, 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow Paul wants every believer to experience. And when you read a verse like this, can you honestly say that your life is filled with all joy and peace in believing? And do you abound in hope on this day? Maybe when I asked those questions, you breathed a heavy sigh and maybe your heart went into your stomach. You look at this verse and it just doesn't seem relevant to your present situation. You say, who is this God? I know God, but I don't seem to have much hope right now, J. Cole. Where's the... I want you to know that your feelings are normal. And please, don't have any shame in that. Human journey. It's okay to ask those questions. In fact, it's, we experience them at different stages in our lives. It can be inter interrupted by the fear of not living up to your potential. Or you're making the wrong choices. Yet it seems like a, a heavy burden to try to make those right decisions. What if I make a mistake, you might be saying. 
you just start making desperate decisions because you realize that you're only making things worse. And that can be you today. Next, you get a little older and you hit middle age. You start feeling the aches and the pains more and more. It's often a time of reflection and your hope can be interrupted by the realization that you're not accomplishing. there is am I really living up to my full potential how do I deal with this lack of hope in this stage of life and eventually a couple decades gets interrupted by fear of physical or or mental issues or bad news about your health or the fear of dying you realize that you have a lot more of your life in the rear view mirror than you have in your life looking forward. And that's where the hope seems to not go. You feel asking yourself, am I next? You're probably saying, holy cow, J. Cole, <laughs> I come to worship and be lifted up, and man, holy cow. But it just seems like that's the delay. You have to look at that together. I want to look at this theme verse again. And in fact, I want you to read it. This. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may Holy Spirit. Paul writes this at the end of this incredible letter. He believes this. He believes this to be true. This is on this letter of hope to us. Would you take a risk and believe with me this morning? And bigger than the fears and problems that life throws your way. To see if that's possible, we need to understand the backstory on this important lesson. Deeper than the temporary problems that we often face that interfere with our hope. Romans is this important letter that gives a detailed explanation about Christian doctrine. It's about who is Jesus? Why did he come on earth? And what does Jesus have to do with us? Paul wants the reader to know why Jesus is the hope of the world. I was driving this week, and I can't remember where I saw it, but it said that on a, on a, on a billboard, Jesus, the hope of the world. And when people... ...open Romans more than any other word or any other letter that he has written 
Hope is foundational to Christian teaching. What's our response to a God who left heaven so that our sins can be forgiven? His choice to come and die on a cross for our sins and be It's one of the key summary verses of that book. And it comes at the end of a section where Paul is talking about how Jesus is the Savior of the whole world. And that fulfillment. In the first section of the Old Testament and the Gentiles in the second section of the New Testament of the Bible. Why? God understood our dilemma. God understood our helplessness. He said, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We've all messed up. And the payment... Constantly wanting to do the wrong thing. Hell-bent to rebel. Hell-bent... In so many ways. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And sin has severe consequences. Not, not just physical death on earth, but, but eternal separation from hope. And that's a huge problem. It's the biggest problem of your life and my life. Some of us come here today with an awareness of that problem. We know that we have fallen short of God's will for our lives. Save us from that. Maybe others here today came here today and really didn't understand that. Sure, you know, but eternal death, J. Cole... <laughs> That doesn't seem, that, that seems a little harsh. But here's the deal, my friends. I believe from the bottom of my heart that there is a God. And the world around and cares for you and for me. He didn't just make this world, wind it up, and send it spinning off into the universe. Of the universe actually cares. According to the Bible, Romans 5, 8 says this, but God demonstrates his own love for us, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God chose to rescue us out of this deliverance. to die for our sins so that Jesus Christ could be the one who fills the chasm. So how do we increase our hope? I want you to know that God sees stands you. He knows you. He knows these feelings that you're experiencing here in the present, in the now. God made a way out of your sin
sacrifice for you and for me. That feeling that you have in your heart that, that says there's something more that, that, than just what I see. There is someone within me that wants to sustain me. In me that wants me to be greater and live into a reality that is good and joyful and trusting. It's God reaching out. Himself through the ministry of his Holy Spirit to help us live in a world unafraid, power to keep us hopeful. God wants to fill us with personal love and sustenance as we walk. The power of the Holy Spirit is given to all who believe. And that's what the part of this verse is, is that God gives us the big to help keep our hope going no matter what the circumstances and trials and tribulations are. God gives us so that, that we are radiant with hope now, no matter what situation we face. We face it with a in the heart of every believer and empowers people to surmount all obstacles. Paul talks about this in Romans 8.1. He says this, the dead dwells in you. He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will give life to your mortal bodies also through his spirit that dwells in you. And this is not some future hope. This is in the now presently that God desires to insert the Holy Spirit give us life. The Holy Spirit gives us assurance that the same power which, which broke through the tomb at the resurrection will give resurrection to us power forever, eternally. You know, in the 8th chapter, and I encourage you to read given this promise, Paul portrays this vastness of our Christian hope. He describes Christians as being sustained in the midst of suffering of the present time by the expectant He goes on to portray the whole world as standing tiptoe, waiting, waiting with eager longing the unfolding of God's purpose in their lives and in history. And it's so personal. And walk with us and minister to us very personal. Before we can look to and fully rely on God for our hope and all the blessings that come from that, we must develop a deep personal relationship with Him, one in which we truly know Him. I want to ask you a question. Do you know God? God won't leave you. And we pray, God, I want to know you. God, God will absolutely minister to you. His character, which is a prerequisite of trusting Him. And then you can go from uncertainty to assurance. The hope of life eternal. When we keep our eyes fixed on that perspective and everything changes, 
when it comes to hope. Paul refers to God as the God of hope. Paul means that God is not only the object of hope, but also the source and giver of all hope. And it's not a false hope. To the believer. You know, there are two kinds of hope. On one hand, there's this lottery ticket kind of hope. Where we cross our fingers. Uh, and we, we hope for something. Chance of becoming a reality. People play the lottery every day desperate for hope. Throwing money into games with virtually no chance of hope that God gives. On the other hand, there's the hope of inheritance. The hope of what give you a gift because they love you. You're guaranteed in a will of receiving that. As a follower of Jesus Christ, you are in that will. That's the Uh, 1 verses 3 through 4. Praise be to the God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into the inheritance never perishes, spoils our faiths. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you. That's the best news ever. That's the hope. You will go through tough times. The enemy will tempt you to give up on hope in Jesus Christ and trade it in for lottery garbage that the world offers. Never, never, ever listen to that nonsense. Know that you have this inheritance of this hope that comes from Jesus Christ's death and resurrection. If you're Ask the Holy Spirit to fill you with resurrection power to live in this world unafraid. Today we come to a table where we can commune with God. There's a lot of words for Holy Communion or the Lord's Supper. There's one that I particularly love and it's the Eucharist, which means in Greek, thanksgiving. It's thanksgiving for what God has already done through the atonement, through the, for Christ's shedding of his. Jesus heard us tapping. Is there hope? And that help came from the outside in. He's the savior of the whole world. He's your personal savior. But people, he came for everyone. Look at Romans 5.8. I want to repeat this scripture again. But God demonstrates his own love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us, for you, for me. And we're reminded of that when we do come to this table. We're reminded that he was with his disciples. Gathered with them and they were trying to understand. And so he took common bread and he gave thanks and he broke it. And he said to his disciples, take and eat for this is my body which is broken for you. 
as often as you eat it, do this in remembrance of me. And after the supper was over, he took the cup. For this is my blood of the new and everlasting covenant poured out for the forgiveness of sins. He said, as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, do this in remembrance of me. Let us pray. Almighty God, pour out your Holy Spirit upon uh, these gifts of bread and juice. Make them be for us the body and blood of Christ so that we would be for the world the body of Christ redeemed by your blood. Make us one with Christ one with each other and one in ministry comes again in final victory. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are the hope of the world. We thank you for dying for our sins and being resurrected so that we can be born into eternal life in that living hope through your resurrection. We pray all of this with the confidence of your children. And now we pray the prayer that you taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Raise your hand if you, if you don't have the... The, uh, the wafer and the cup there. One of the ushers will, will uh, raise it up high there and somebody will get that for you. Go ahead and take off the first uh, seal there and we'll partake together. This is the body of Christ broken for you. Take and eat. And then take the second seal Beloved, this is the blood of Christ shed for you. Take and drink. Communion is such a powerful reminder um, to me of how much Jesus loves us and a wonderful reminder um, that he wants to spend eternity with us. I'm Sharon Gard, and I'm Director of Curriculum Development here at Anderson Hills, and I'm going to lead us in prayer this morning. And it's not going to be a talking prayer. It's going to be a listening kind of prayer today. We're going to see what this God of hope has to say to us this so I invite you all here and those of you watching online to close your eyes, kind of bow your head, take a deep breath, and just relax, quiet your mind. And I want you to picture Jesus who we just... Inviting you to step out of this earthly realm, step out of leaving behind anything that might distract you, 
And instead, he wants to invite you in to the heavenly realm where it's slow and peaceful and quiet. He wants to bring us into his presence, to his throne. And we're so grateful. Thank you, Jesus, for that opportunity for opening up the heavenly realm, the holies of holies that we can enter. And he's reminding us to enter boldly because we can do so. But he also saying for us to walk into God's presence humbly. And he wants us to stand before the Father or before the Father. And we're not to talk, to say anything. We're just coming with the willingness of opening our heart because God knows your desires. He knows what's in your heart. He knows what you need. And so in these next few moments, just stand there with your heart open to him and listen to what he might say to you, a word, a phrase, a word picture, but let him speak to you. some of you that he is your that it's he that gives you everything that you need and maybe today he looked in your heart and you need strength or courage or a whole lot of peace maybe he wants you to know that he sees you that you are desired that you are valued that you are accepted some of you might need to be reminded that he is your identity giver. You are his child, and you are dearly loved and cherished. There's some of you who have fear in your heart, and he wants you to know that he's your protector. He wants you to turn over trust to him and control back to him. Some of you, he wants you to know that he's your comforter, that he's walking with you through grief or trouble, carrying your burdens. He's right there with you. As others, he's saying, I'm your teacher. I'm the one who I will give you discernment on whatever it is you need, decision you need to make. Turn to me. Like others, he's saying that I am your savior. And he wants you to hear loud and clear that you are forgiven. And he takes away any shame that you may be holding on to. He wants others to know that he is your healer. That he's coming to heal your emotions. He's coming to heal you spiritually. And he is coming to heal you even physically if you need.
Thank you for all of these things that you are to us, for these reminders. We just praise you for that and for these moments and how precious they are to hear blessings from you. And before we step back from the heavenly realm into this, God wants to make sure that you will come back with confident assurance that he is who he says he is and that he will do what he says he will do, that he's a promise keeper and he is good. And the scriptures say that no word from God will ever fail. So enter back now into this place, feeling blessed from the Lord. And may God continue.